That's our listeners and viewers who've been emailing us at Jerry Anderson. No podcast. The first week, everything was so carefully know, planned and beautifully delivered and pristine. Yeah. And now yeah. it's all just. <laughs> Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson, Richard James and Chris Dale. Well, that went so well that we're here to do it all again. <laughs> Unbelievably. Wasn't last week great? No, it was amazing. Yeah, it's I fun. had a lovely time. Yes. What did you enjoy most about it? Uh, well, the toilets here are quite nice, aren't the they? The toilets are very, so clean, aren't they? And lovely hand soap. Yes, and the great things. Also, mm. we're just out the bars right through the door there. Yeah, there's a bar just the other side of the door. Yeah, great, isn't uh, it? Nice, you know, working with nice people. <laughs> yeah, that makes a change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And having Chris here is great. Yeah. Sorry, I've sort of skipped over who <gasps> we are. Yes. But, but I mean... We can say hello to Chris first. Absolutely. There's Chris Dale over hello, the side behind there. Chris. Hi. So nice you to later. have you here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I suppose I should start then, being a senior partner. Uh, I'm Richard James. I was in Space Precinct. That's a Jerry Anderson production I, from the 1990s. Currently showing never said on that. Britbox no. and ITVX Hang in on. glorious HD. You're right, but I want, yeah. to, I want to pull you up on that. What, what now? I, I, why have you never mentioned before oh, the like Space to, Precinct? I like to you know, hide my light under a bushel. Gosh. Under I, an orange. It's a, a very impressive. Thanks. Uh, well, I am... Jamie Anderson. Yes. And uh, I wasn't in Space Precinct, but I did first meet you on the set of Space Precinct, of course. Millions of years ago. Many, many years ago. But also the son of Jerry Anderson, which makes sense with the the old Jerry Anderson podcast. Oh, Jerry Anderson podcast, and you're Jamie Anderson. Yeah. Ah, gotcha. I did wonder why you were here. Yes. Great. No Uh, qualifications, just a touch of nepotism. That's all I can bring. And this is pod 265 of the Jerry Anderson podcast. We're here every week uh, in your ears and in your clammy eyes. Oh. Yeah, I've got to find another way of saying that. Yeah. Crusty? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, we're here every week talking all things Jerry Anderson for about an hour and a half or so. Shall I run through the menu for today's... Um... No, I'm not... No. Shall I just tell you what's coming up? Uh, yes. Right. Not? It's quite easy. Go on. Uh, Fab facts in just a moment. Mm. Jerry Anderson news after that. Okay. Yeah. Second part of the interview with TARDIS monkey, that's Ellie Collins. Ah, lovely Ellie. Great fun last week. But we've got Chris Dale and his amazing randomizer. In between all of that, of course, we've been hearing from our wonderful Podstrons. So all of that coming up on the wonderful Jerry Anderson podcast. And it is wonderful because you keep telling us that it's wonderful, so it must be. Yeah. Isn't that nice? And that's yeah. not just you sending us emails in yourself it's saying it's wonderful, me. but there are a few others mom. too. Or my agent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. No, but the reason we do it is because of you, Podstrons. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and you, um, you make it fun. So you think I would choose to be in a room with you in Slough if it wasn't for the Podstrons? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Fair point, well made. Hmm. Uh, anyway, but one of the reasons that you do join me every week um, in this yes. lovely room yes. is because I always deliver the goods. Right, do you? When it comes right. to the randomly chosen yes. fab fact. Yes. Who will be the judge of that? So you're ready for a delivery of a fan fact, Richard. Okay, if you put it like that. Yeah? Yeah. Here it comes. Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. You say ready for a delivery. That sounds a bit sort of biological, doesn't it? That's a very strange way of putting it. I'm not sure I like that. It's like, almost it bi- like you're the midwife it's of, not- of Fab Facts. No! Delivering new facts. Right, do you, when, when you get an email from uh, a courier saying, uh, you, sorry, we missed you when we tried to make a delivery, do you... 
go, oh, that's a bit biological. <laughs> well, I do, actually, yeah. And I often wonder if they've left a small baby on my doorstep or, right. or on my, behind my neighbour's bins. <laughs> it's getting really dark now. Let's move on to fab facts. Uh, that was probably best. Uh, Yes, so I am going to deliver you a fab fact, whether you like it or not, okay. uh, because right here I've got my big book of fab facts. There it is. It is quite a big book. Yes. And every week I flick through it, and at a random point during that flicking, you, Richard James... Me. ...shout. Fa- well, don't shout, but no. you cry. No, you... Well, why are you telling me? I know you, what I do. You say fab. Well, Tell this, them. This is, for, this is for newbies. You say fab, that stops you flicking. Hopefully uh, my thumb is relatively dry and yes. I stop flicking at the right moment and then I'll hopefully deliver you a fab fact. Okay. Are you ready? S- screaming and squealing into the daylight. <laughs> Come on then, let's drag it forth. <laughs> Here comes the flick. Fab! And? Okay. Yes. Ooh. Is it goody? Well, it's quite far back in the uh, the book of fab facts. Is it? Yeah, so that means it's probably going to be more recent. It tends to be chronological in here, doesn't it? Uh, oh, I see what you mean. Okay, Richard, I've got a question for you then. Go on. If you wanted to publicise the release of a Jerry Anderson series on DVD, mm-hmm. how would you go about it? Oh, uh, well, I, I'd get Richard James, the famous actor, uh, yes. to appear on all news outlets, uh, publicising the new series and uh, saying how good it was and how good he was in it. Because I would assume if you're going to make a new Jerry Anderson series, then obviously I'd be in it. Okay, well, let's assume for this one that you're not in it. Oh. Uh, you, you were busy. You, you were on another pro- uh, project that and, and you, you were not available uh, and we couldn't come to terms with your agent. Yeah, that, that's uh, yeah, so likely. So, bearing that in mind, would you go for billboard ads? Sure. A bit old-fashioned, though. Oh, really? TV campaign? Oh, yeah. Mm, maybe. Mm. Maybe something on streaming. Right. Or how about staging the theft of one of the show's leading stars? <gasps> right. I mean, that sounds a bit dramatic, doesn't it? It does a bit, yes. Well, in 2007, UK newspapers, including The Independent, reported that Dad was searching... For everyone's favourite robotic PI, ah. Dick Spanner. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, the original puppet had last been seen in the possession of a man who worked on the show, a man known only as Clive. Are you listening, Clive? Clandestine Clive. Are you watching Clandestine Clive? No, that's not his actual name. Is that his superhero name That's or his something? nickname for this bad fact. Uh, <laughs> In fact, Coventry Live went on to report that Dick Spanner P.I. Uh, is at the top of Jerry Anderson's most wanted list, and mm. he believes he might be hiding in this area. That's a Coventry, obviously. Right. Uh, Not Jerry, in this room. No. Yeah. Jerry said he eventually wanted to pass his collection of Thunderbirds, Joe 90, and Thunderbirds marionettes to his family, but it just wasn't complete without Dick Spanner. Ah! Uh, for anyone who knows, yes. this is starting to sound a little fishy. It is, rather, because Jerry isn't the sort of person to want to pass on any of his memorabilia. No, or indeed have any memorabilia, yes. Exactly. Mm. Anyway, uh, extensive searches have been carried out at Channel 4's storeroom and props department, but so far at that point, all efforts to find the elusive Dick Spanner had been fruitless. Oh. Uh, so they alleged that Dad was now appealing at this time for anyone to come forward if they uh, find the lost TV star in Coventry in an attic or hidden away in a Warwickshire garage. Right. It's um, very specific, isn't it? Yes, and at the time they were even offering a reward for the safe return of this robotic private investigator. And did they find him? Well, uh, even a cursory glance, Richard, at uh, IMDb will tell you that there were several... Chris's, and of course a Christine working on Dick Spanner. Right. But not a single Clive to be found. Oh. Now, IMDb is not always accurate, of no. course, but I think that's making things even fishier than they were before, and yeah. it was already pretty fishy. Yeah. Uh, well, all was explained when it turned out to be a hoax. Oh, after all that? I know. A hoax perpetrated by the distributor Pickwick to drum up interest for their DVD release of the series. Ah. Now, the statement was made 
by a DVD publicist without Dad's knowledge. Mm. Uh, and in fact, not only did Dad not know where the puppet ended up, but he was completely disinterested in trying to find it, which that does make perfect sense. Of <laughs> yes. he wouldn't care where Dick Spanner was. No, Come on. No, he wouldn't. No. The least nostalgic man you've ever met. Yes, that's uh, right. Anyway, so it was all nonsense. It was all a hoax. Dick Spanner was never missing. All right. And uh, Dad certainly didn't give two right. fucks. OK, now, I, I, I'm detecting a bit of a theme in Fab Facts for the last couple of weeks. Are you? Well, things that didn't happen. We seem to be spending an inordinate amount of time describing a scenario only to poo-poo said scenario at the end of the fact. Well, no, because the hoax happened. The hoax happened, but it was a hoax. Yeah. Was that a hoax Fab Fact? Yeah, a faux fact? A faux fact. Mm, no, let's not call it that. No. Anyway, let's move on. Postrons, right. can you think of any other extreme length that any company went to to publicise a new series? Perhaps all of the female BBC newsreaders wore purple wigs in anticipation of UFO's first VHS release? Or did every church bell in Norwich ring out to celebrate the Secret Service being repeated in the ITV Anglia region? Oh, I do hope so. Oh, that sounds like a great lovely, thing. Yeah. Uh, if you can think of anything, please do let us know. Podcast at jerryanson.com. Yeah, that's it. Great. Interesting. Nice. Enjoy that? Yes. Were you aware of that fab fact before you read it out? I was, actually, mm. because he was... Uh, Dad was quite irritated by the whole thing. I should think so. Because it made him look like an idiot, in his view. Um, yes. So, yeah. But not in anyone else's view, I have to say. Uh, probably people who knew the, the show. Mm. And, and also, if, if somebody went round, you know, like a sort of Dick Spanner bounty hunter mm. who was going round all the Warwickshire garages and, and attics mm. looking for this puppet character only to find mm. out it was a hoax, mm. it's not very fair, is it? But also, what sort of crew member walks out on the last day of production with props and costume from the production they've been working on? Only an absolute monster exactly. would do such a thing. Exactly. Yeah. And you'd certainly never employ them again. You'd, you'd never see... No, they'd be blacklisted. They'd they be it. They're gone. Yeah. They would certainly never be a co-host on a Jerry Anderson podcast. No, never happened. Never, never. never. Mm. Hey, I'm surprised you're not wearing your Officer Orange shirt, actually. Well, I can bring it in next time if you'd like. OK. Yeah. What about your Multicom? Have you got that? Yeah, yeah of course I have. You know I have. Good. Oh, well, that's fine. Good yeah. to know. Uh, Anyway, mm. I think that brings us rather awkwardly <gasps> yes. to the end of this week's Last Faux Fact. fact. What? Ah, no, well, I, I know, but you with yes, Faux I mean, fact. that's why I didn't say it again because it would have been repetitive. I primed you. Yes. All right. <clears throat> yeah, great. Now, Can't actually, get the star. talking about um, publicity for new productions, mm. you know, there's a new Barbie movie out, of course. I know you're a big fan. and Absolute, You're looking forward to it. One of the biggest collections in the UK. I've got. Have you? No. Right. Uh, <laughs> in Malibu, yes, they built. Mm -hmm. The Barbie House. In full, full-scale Barbie House in Malibu. Yeah. Okay. It's there. Find it online and to publicise the movie. So, oh, so you're suggesting it. that we should therefore build... build Tracy Island to publicise the podcast. In Slough. In Slough. Okay. I mean, they are knocking a lot of it down as I walk past from the, from the car park this morning. There's a big open space there. Mm. We could buy that and build Tracy Island. We could buy that, well, yes. Of course we could. We'll chip in. Yeah, OK, Podstrons, you heard it. We'll, we'll, we'll start a crowdfunder for uh, Tracy Island in Slough, then. If we build it, they will come. Who will come? Well, I'll be there. OK, good. Can't I'll wait. Charlotte, that's two of us. <laughs> it's a great promo thing, though. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, we know that there's quite a few people around who have made some sort of effort to recreate things from the shows in their homes. Oh, for sure. There's a, there's a Moonbase Alpha living room out there. <gasps> Is Are you there? aware of that? No. Yes, there Great. really is. I like that. And obviously downstairs yeah. in, the, in the Moxie, yeah. there's the Tracy Brothers portrait, so there's a hint towards the lounge there, yeah. and Virgil's yeah. Uh, yeah. tipping ramp. Yeah. In the uh, Moonbase uh, Alpha living room, mm. if you open the window, does all the air get sucked out? Mm. No. Not, not that quite that it's, level it's, of attention to detail. He hasn't depressurized the exterior. <laughs> well, of, uh, no. well, you know, if a job's worth doing, 
I know. Mm. So there you go. You heard it, David. Yeah. We're, we're not impressed. Talking about jobs worth doing, isn't it time for some Jerry Anderson news? Oh, yes. OK, it is. So let's hand over to other me in the studio for this week's Jerry Anderson news. Hello there, this is Jamie Anderson bringing you the latest and greatest from Anderson Entertainment. We've got plenty to talk about, so let's dive right in. Today is the day we've all been waiting for. It's Captain Scarlet Day. Yep, the 10th of July, 2023, and to celebrate, we're going all out. You can now pre-order Martian Menace on CD. It's a 75-minute audiobook adapted from the 1968 TV21 comic story. And why not pair that with a limited edition This Is The Voice Of The Mr. Ron's t-shirt? For the series collectors, we have just 100 limited edition sets of Ron Embleton's gorgeous end title art prints in A3. The excitement doesn't stop there, folks. Stand by for action. Jerry Anderson in Concert is now streaming on Amazon. Customers in the UK, USA and Japan can tune into Amazon Prime Video, where the two-hour showcase of Anderson music is now available to rent or to buy. After a brief hiatus, our fan-favourite t-shirts are back in stock. International Rescue, Shadow, Moonbase Alpha and Spectrum tees are all available in sizes up to 5XL. So why not wear your fandom on your sleeve this summer? In book news, 5 Star 5 The Battle for Kestra is going like hotcakes. The limited edition collector's version is already 50% sold out and we're expecting it to completely go this weekend. So uh, get on with it. And speaking of the unexpected, expect the unexpected. Keep your eyes peeled over the next couple of weeks as we drop some hints about our plans for the 40th anniversary of Terrorhawks. Now a brief update on Space 1999 to everything that was. After some unforeseen delays the, with the books stuck in customs, with our apologies for the inconvenience, we're excited to announce that shipping will commence very shortly. We really do appreciate your patience and uh, we can't wait for you to delve into this latest offering. That's all for now. Do stay tuned for more news from Anderson Entertainment. But for now, I'm Jamie Anderson, signing off. This has been the Jerry Anderson News. I can't believe... Uh, hang on. What? Aren't you supposed to sing the outro of the news? <sighs> Am I still doing that? Mm -hmm. I, there was a time when I didn't do it. And, every, and people seem quite happy about everybody that. complained. Uh, you know, people were doing protests. All right, there I'll were tell placards. you what, I shall sing it, but I shall sing it begrudgingly. OK, I look forward to hearing that. That was the news. That was the news. Oh, it's that's was not it? That's acting. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe pod 265 and there's still news. There's still stuff to talk about every week. And there always will be. There always will be. If we run out of news, we can make it up. But there's, <gasps> until now, yeah. no hoax news has been required. That we know of. Yeah, well, maybe next week there'll be a... We're actually hunting for the missing Zill puppet. Yeah, yeah. Last seen in the hands yes. of a man called Clive, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah. Whatever happened to the Zill puppet? I've got no idea. We're talking about a, a very niche uh, little item in Space Precinct. Yes. That I know. Yeah, well, of course. Liz, Liz's pet. That's uh, right, yeah. Can, uh, you, can you do the noise? I can't remember the noise. Oh, shame. Uh, anyway, but why don't we, just as a little thing for our listeners and viewers, every news from now on, mm. just put a little hoax item in there. Oh, come See if people on. spot it. All right, we'll see about that. <laughs> this is the voice of the Podsterons. Now, our lovely Podsterons, as usual, just like they do every week, have been getting in touch at podcast at jerryanderson.com. Mm. I got it right, didn't I, yeah. that time? Yeah. Uh, and I've got a few emails here. Would you like to start the ball rolling with the uh, email from Will that you've got in front of you, looking at me with a blank stare? Like I would love to. Yeah. I've, I've got the letter here. Okay, go for it. 
Will says, mm. hi chaps. Hi Will. Uh, just listened to pod 261, that's a few pods ago. Yeah. Uh, and the fab facts about homages to Jerry's show in anime. Oh yes, this really touched a nerve. It really, people keep writing in about they this. They do. The best one that I could think of mm. was an episode of Mobile Police Patlabor. Is that right? Patlabor. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation, but I'm the I'll king of that. mispronunciations here. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a great show about a near future police force that use giant robots. Oh. oh the future we can all look forward to. Yes. Interesting. Uh, in a way, it's a very Anderson esque premise to begin with. Mm. Uh, but the one episode that he's thinking of is where a character knocks himself out and has a dream about the US equivalent uh, of the. Japanese mobile police force. Right. And it's a feast of Anderson, Anderson show references. <laughs> it sounds rather complicated. It is a little yes. bit, isn't it? So it's a, a, dream, a dream about the about American the version of, of the thing in the show. Good, right. Yeah. So they all wear spectrum-esque colour-coded colour outfits. Nice. Uh, trees falling to the side as a lake opens to uh, launch one of the robots. Oh. An SPV is in there. Oh. And even a couple of Moonbase girls from UFO for good measure. Well, well, really? Uh, truly, it must be the king of all anime Anderson homages. The Koenig. Nice. Anderson very good. Anime very homages. good. Good reference. Nice. Uh, anyway, he says, love the pod. Keep up the great work. Cheers. Will. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. Well, that's a nice one. I've not, I've not heard of, I'm not a great uh, aficionado of all things anime, I have to say. No, but isn't it nice that it opens our eyes to that world? And I think that Will tweeted some of those pictures. Oh, lovely. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Yeah, I saw one in particular showing the Moonbase girls. Ah. I mean, almost copyright breaching mm. uh, homages, but they're still homages, so it's fine. Excellent. Every day's a school day. Mm. Uh, Duncan Moss, who we know uh, well, has emailed to say, hi, Jamie. And Richard, just a few thoughts on a proposed UK Blu-ray Thunderbirds Ultimate Deluxe box set for the 60th anniversary, just Ooh. over two years away. Yes, we've got to start planning now. Right. Uh, it must be in 4x3, as it was made and mostly shown. There must be a choice of the original sound without the additional sound effects in both mono and stereo mixes. Yeah. The 2000 effects could be supplied as an option, but I do not think people are too fussed. It'd be nice to have a black and white option as well, as the half-hour presentations, which were edited either by Century 21 or ITV, uh, do not think we want to see the attempts by various TV stations to edit the episodes, says Duncan. No, don't need that. Also, please, could we have an audio presentation? Shane's radio promotional spots for American TV if they still exist. Uh, the Thunderbird 65 episodes must be included along with the documentary and everything else which appeared on the previous release. I live in hope that the lost 1969 Thunderbirds 4 Zoom lolly advert will surface by then and be included. That's quite an ask, Duncan. It's a bit of a wish list, isn't it? Mm. Uh, loads of funny things could be added, like figures and craft based on the Kellogg's promos, as well as 60s Thunderbird cards and a booklet of the artwork in a larger format. The list is endless. I can see that, Duncan. Mm. Yeah, uh, and hopefully we'll be a, uh, we'll also see a Thunderbirds technical manual and a few more goodies for 2025. Best wishes, Duncan Moss. He doesn't want much, does he? No, no. Very, very skimpy little list there. As, no work to do at all. As my father-in-law would say, he wants the moon on a stick. He does. Yeah. Well. If anyone can deliver it, yes. we'll know some people who can. Don't right, so, OK. Uh, no, I, I'm sure there'll be something for 2025. There must be. I mean, we're already looking to 2025. I but know. obviously, with the sad demise of Network, yes. the, the Blu-ray DVD element is a little bit of an unknown. It's up in the air. Mm. But I think there's lots of stuff we could, we could do there. Now, Jamie, could I ask you to give a little potted history of Thunderbirds 
in broadcast and home media. Because I see a lot of chat. I do, because I like to frequent certain forums and mm. uh, online chat rooms. Uh, not those. About uh, about the the the, the, the misratioing. Oh, what's that all me. about? Okay, what so happened? the the main. I'm not going to do a full history of every broadcast and home entertainment release. Oh, we've got time. But no, we don't. No, we don't. Uh, so the the main problem was that around uh, 2002 or five, I think somewhere around there. Anyway, there was a Carlton Blu-ray release. Hmm. And everything at that point was was moving towards sixteen nine, so widescreen, right. rather than four three, which is the more boxy presentation. Yes. So when you watch that in widescreen, you normally see black bars down the side. Yes, that means you get the full the full picture, the full exactly the full yes. picture in a box. Uh, but then, of course, to make it fit widescreen, whoever it was that made this decision at Carlton thought, uh, well, let's crop it. Uh, so obviously, if you stretch it, everything gets squished. Yeah. yeah. So instead, they had to cut off the top to the bottom. Yeah. But then you're losing significant parts of the well, frame. I give it that. And so why, why would you bother doing that? Yeah. Uh, and every other territory where Thunderbirds is big, really, has has got a proper 4x3 ah, Blu-ray. Right. Japan's got one, US has got one, Germany's got one. Yeah. And we still, still don't have one here. And Seems I'm always nagging ITV. I bet I can imagine. To do it. I mean, yeah. to the point where some of them have just stopped responding to my emails. <laughs> um, so we're always fighting your corner, Podstrons, to try and get that because it seems crazy that we don't have a proper Blu-ray presentation. Yes. Yeah. crazy. But you think it will happen in the form of time? It's got to. I mean, it's getting to the point where, where we're going to have to go in and, right. and make some, you know... Make some noise. Make some noise and make some threats at wow. ITV Towers, I think, to throw make some, it happen. Throw some plates around. I might just do that. Paper, right. though. Paper Excellent. Uh, now, Hugh Porter has got in touch as well from Australia. Would you like to read that one out, Jamie? Uh, I can certainly try. Mm -hmm. Give it uh, your best Australian accent. Uh, no, no, absolutely not no, doing no. that. Mm -hmm. No. Don't want to offend all of our listeners. Uh, howdy. I mean, he starts with howdy. That's not very Australian, is it? <laughs> howdy, Richard, Chris <laughs> and Jamie and everyone at Anderson Entertainment. And hi, Podstrom. Oh, that's nice. He yeah. says hi. hi. I'm just emailing to say that I have listened to the Spy Hards podcast. Oh, yes. You remember that one? I do, yes. Mm, it's fascinating. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I must say, it was a unique experience. <laughs> I would agree with that, Hugh. Yes, it was. It was unique. That. Certainly unique. Uh, enjoying the concept and the possible reality of Jerry Anderson being involved in a James Bond film, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, that would be amazing if it was the case, but sadly, it wasn't to be. No. Uh, but let's be grateful that he wasn't involved with the Eon Productions, or else we probably wouldn't have some of the shows that we all know and love. That's very true. If he got super involved with the Bond franchise, you might not have seen yeah. Space 1999, yeah, UFO right. possibly. Yeah, Terrorhawks. Terrorhawks, absolutely. Imagine. Well, imagine the tears that would be shed over a missing Terrorhawks. Yeah, just the one. Yeah. Also, talking about those Thunderbirds half-hour yes. episodes mentioned <laughs> way back in uh, an old fab fact. Yes. Channel 9 Go Kids in Australia back in 2014 did this for weekday early 3.30 a.m. screenings of Thunderbirds. Wow. What's the point of showing it then? Yeah. I wasn't able to watch these at the time because it was so not. early in the morning <laughs> yeah. for a 10-year-old. Uh, <laughs> but I clearly remember seeing it in the TV guides. And then the regular long... 40 minute, he says, I think it's 50 minute episodes, uh, were broadcast at a better time at 6 a.m. Above that's a much better time. Every 10 year old's up at 6 a.m. 6 a.m. on weekends. <laughs> so all the good of that changed time cancelled out by being on a weekend. Uh, this was my first experience of Jerry Anderson. I clearly remember the Ned Cook show in particular at the end of Terror in New York City. And then it continued on each week with random episode orders uh, with 30 minutes afternoon, Atlantic Inferno, Attack of the Alligators, etc. Hmm. Then, of course, 
uh, because I got into Thunderbirds, I did my research. Yes. And uh, I found all the other productions. There and you well, go. the rest is history, and that's ah. why he's here and writing in. Yes. Sorry for the long email. Cheers to you all. Have fun with the new format. We are, Hugh. Thank you very yeah, much. Uh, and uh, I'll open a few beers to celebrate from Australia. Oh. Thanks for sharing, Hugh. Yes. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Great. Oh, I love what a journey that is then. So seeing Thunderbirds very early in the morning in Australia as a 10-year-old, and here he is uh, listening, watching, enjoying the Jerry Anderson podcast and sending in an email. And drinking beer. And <laughs> drinking beer. Good for Living you, the Hugh. life. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Hugh's, Hugh's living the dream. Excellent. If you have any emails, well, why not, um, you know, send them in to podcast at jerryanderson.com. It's very easy. You open your email client. I've, just, I've, you know, I've explained this before. Well, you type again. in the... So in the uh, address bar, you type in uh, podcast.jerryanderson.com and in the subject line, you put something like, um, you know, Space Precinct is my favourite show. And then in the body of the email, you include why Space Precinct is your favourite show. Maybe picking out an actor or two that you really are quite fond of. And then just hit send and it'll find its way into my inbox. Sorry, am I keeping you up? Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. I'm absolutely fine. Sorry. Anyway, is there something else we can talk about? Yes, I think it's time to welcome back our guest on Jeff Tracy's sofa. Oh, please. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Yes, it's time to continue our chat with a monkey. Ah, TARDIS monkey, that is, as that's how she's known to her thousands of social media followers. Last week, she had a brave stab at identifying as many Gerry Anderson shows as possible. So let's see how much of it has stuck. It's Ellie Collins! <laughs> uh, welcome back, Ellie. Thanks for coming back for another pop. Thanks for bringing me back. <laughs> well, last time, we tested you on your Anderson knowledge by playing Super Identification. And I think there are about 18 or 19 clips of various opening and closing titles. Yep. You did very well, as we can see behind you there. If you'd just like to pick up your little uh, uh, Anderson maquette. There is Ellie dressed as uh, Scott Tracy, I think, with a big number nine on her. Because uh, that's how well you did. Well done, you. Uh, but were there any that you saw that you couldn't quite grab a hold of that were lurking somewhere in the back of your memory? See, now one was the spaceship, mm. uh, and I think it's, is it Fireball or whatever it's called? Ah, now that's Supercar, probably. Supercar. Yeah? Yeah, 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 really? that one, that one, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what year was that, Chris? Uh, 16 to 16, one, two. So, you've seen that on some sort of repeat? Yeah, or probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. And any of those, uh, I should have asked you this last week, that really piqued your interest that you might be interested in seeing more of? Uh, UFO, I think we saw, and... Uh, oh, definitely UFO, yeah? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever seen definitely. UFO? No. Any of it? No. Really? No, never. I think you'd like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, coming up in this part of the interview, of course, we've got some more questions from our listeners and viewers that we'll get to in just a little while. Sorry. Jamie? Sorry. You were supposed to get something really swanky for that part? <laughs> okay, so we'll be pulling some more questions out of Zelda's head. <laughs> a bit later on, uh, and also playing some games. But first of all, uh, we're going to take a look at who was your favourite Anderson character. Let's take a look at this. You were a robot, which they used for their own ends. A robot that was indestructible. In human terms, you were killed several times over. Killed? I don't understand. How could I have been killed? I don't even have a scar. Right, Captain. Within hours, your injuries healed without a trace. You are exactly as you were before the episode, with one exception. And that is? My tests have proved conclusively you have retained the ability of retrometabolism. A bullet will make you bleed, 
You will feel the pain, but after a few hours, even a fatal wound will heal completely. Captain Scarlet, you are still virtually indestructible. Wow. Of course, it's Captain Scarlet. Also, your first Anderson memory. Yes. So the two were linked. He obviously made quite a big impression upon you. Definitely. Why? Um, I think it was just because he's that big action hero that, um, you know, because he's nearly virtually indestructible, mm. he can just run into danger, mm. help as many people as he can. Mm. And I mean, you know, just to have somebody to aspire to, to be like that yeah. is, is something I latched onto. Is this also something in the fact that, uh, you know, we saw it in that scene there where Scarlet was confronted with his, his new situation, yeah. that he is virtually indestructible. Was there something about that idea that appealed to you as well as a young child? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because that idea of immortality, yeah, I think is is what as a kid. Yeah, I mean, again, it's got a very strong link to sort of uh, Doctor Who because mm -hmm. Doctor Who regenerates after he gets, uh -huh. sort of, they get fatally sort of uh -huh. injured and stuff like that, and yeah. it's that kind of continuation that you're thinking, oh yeah, you know, they they're in danger, but they'll be back next week, and yeah. it's quite comforting to have that thought sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and you very nicely sent us that lovely picture, which I'm going to show those of you who are watching on video now of you in your Captain Scarlet yeah. T-shirt. How old were you here? Yeah. Uh, I must have been about five, six years old yeah. uh, in this photo. Yeah, so yeah. already being humoured by your family. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Now, what would you say is your favourite, if you can think back, your favourite Captain Scarlet episode? Is that too specific? Yeah, I, I can't remember the name of it, but all I remember is that there's this ship that's named after one of the presidents and they're thinking that the president himself is going to get assassinated, but it's not, it's the ship. And the Mistrons uh, turn a champagne bottle into a bomb. And I just love the bit when uh, they... they they go to throw the champagne bottle at the ship. It just misses, swings back and blows them all up. And I think it's the most hilarious thing for it to happen. It's such karma, it's bloody brilliant. Like. <laughs> uh, Chris Dale, help us out. Which episode of Captain Scarlet was that? That's the launching. The yeah. launching, okay. Is that quite early on in the run or was it later? Um, it's sort of produced halfway through and then shown near the end because I think some of it was reshot. Yeah. It's funny what sticks in the mind, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, Very yeah. often these sort of formative scenes yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah. Stick, that stick in the memory. Um, now, I've also got some questions from the rest of the team here. Uh, so, now, if you had to get in the TARDIS and go back to any production of any Ger Jerry Anderson series, what would it be and why? I'm guessing it's going to be Captain Scarlet. Not necessarily. Oh, okay. I'd Surprising. love to. I'd love to see Thunderbirds. Right. Because I mean, the production scale on that is just mm. insane. Sort of like I'd love to see the island and everything mm. as well, and all the the uh, vehicles, the rockets, and everything. Just sort of yeah. There's just lots to look at with Thunderbirds, yeah. which I think is yeah quite so, incredible. Yeah. There's a lot going on, isn't there? Um, now, uh, if you were to take any actor who had ever played the Doctor in yeah. Doctor Who. Which of them do you think would best portray your hero, Captain Scarlet? I'm going to say John Pertwee. Ah, because he, he is the action man, so I feel like he could just karate chop the crap out of people. <laughs> <laughs> that would be his skill as Captain Scarlet, sort of thing. Coming useful, yeah. wouldn't it? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, we spoke uh, last time about how the TV you watched as a child ultimately influenced you professionally. Yes. Uh, to go into broadcast and TV editing, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about what that life is like for you now and any projects you're working on or companies you're working for? Uh, well, I'm working for the BBC. Um, so I've, I've been doing sort of independent companies for a while, sort of for a good few years. So I've been 
working on various different programs from like I've, I've done stuff for Bake Off um, all the way up to a recent drama um, called Consent, which funny enough, Ty Tenham was in mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, and I, I mainly because I, I work or I used to work in Bristol, uh, used to do a lot of the natural history kind of documentaries. So um, a lot of uh, discovery programs about deep sea diving, uh, sharks and yeah. like all this kind of stuff. And um, yeah, bits of Blue Planet as well, sort of being involved in that. So it's it's quite good sort of being involved with like sorting out years worth of rushes that you get from natural history shows and trying to cobble together a story and stuff. And then funny enough, working Glastonbury just only oh, recently. Yeah. So uh, yeah, um, you know, editing uh, clips for um, the VTs and stuff that go out on iPlayer and things like that. Yeah. Were you always heading towards a career in the media, do you think? Or did you yeah. sort of fall into it or did you guide yourself? Uh, yeah, I, I was one of those things that I just knew when I was young because, uh, again, it was Doctor Who Confidential. I remember seeing that on BBC Three after sort of uh, the Eccleston run. And it was that moment I went, oh, my God, people actually like do this as a full time job. Like this is incredible sort of thing. Um, so that was mainly what was the catalyst for me to go. Yeah, do you know what? I'm going to do this. So I, I studied um, media studies in school uh, for GCSE and then uh, pursued it in university where I did um, production work and theory work and all that kind of stuff. And then I got my first runner job pretty much a week after I left uni. Um, as a post-production runner um, in Bristol and then I realised oh I quite like the editing side and then um, very kindly sort of editors that I got to know uh, let me sit in with them and uh, learn all the skills and stuff from there learn how to use Avid if anybody does any editing software and stuff all that kind of stuff and then I got to an industry standard where I am now so is it as you imagined it was going to be? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of hard work. Like a lot every, of hard every work. Every day is different, I would think. Oh, totally, which is great because, yeah, like to have that variety because I've done retail work and stuff like that when I was younger as well, but it was like that was, you know, good for getting money, but uh, as a creative sort of side, I, I, yeah, it's good to get into this. And uh, would you have any words of advice for anyone who wanted to follow in your footsteps, as it were, and uh, try for a, a career in the media? Yeah, just keep persevering. Just keep sending. Uh, there's lots of like Facebook groups that you can get runner jobs and stuff. Like you know, just uh, I mean, I work from the bottom all the way up is the way that I got in. So I just highly recommend just putting your name out there. Um, yeah, just getting any kind of runner jobs, you know, odd days here and there that you can do, don't matter, sort of the stint, if you can do it, just, mm. yeah, go for it, really. Great. Uh, now, you will remember last time that um, Jamie Anderson promised that he'd give us a, a, a rather posh receptacle yeah, for your... I could smell it from here again. <laughs> yeah, it's Zelda's mask still, I'm afraid. <laughs> Any news yet, Jamie? On the... it's on its way. Sorry, it's on sorry. its way. Okay, so uh, I'm going to invite you again <laughs> to put your hand in Zelda's mask and pull out some questions from our listeners and viewers. Right. Um, Tom Hodden says, "Which of the monkeys would make the best companion to travel in the TARDIS?" Okay. Okay, you know the monkeys, of course. Yes, but I don't know their names. Oh, Davy Jones. I'm going to say Davy Jones because it's the only one I know. Davy but there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a pretty good choice, actually. Yeah. Davy Jones is the funny one. I think you'd make it. <laughs> okay, Harry George Andrew Mills says, which sci-fi classic is your favourite and who's your favourite actor slash character? 
Uh-huh. Blimey. Okay. Oh. What's your favourite sci-fi classic? If you, uh, if you could only choose one to take with you as the moon blasts away from Earth's orbit, <laughs> you have time to collect one classic sci-fi serial. What is it? I'm trying to think now. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to go with, because I've watched it recently, I'm going to have to go with Blake Seven. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I'd have to take Dana with me because she'd be amazing. Ah, yes. Because uh, she knows how to look after herself and uh, yeah. I'd be safe in her hands. So yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Right. More questions from Zelda's Mask. Oh, the, the Ginger Doctor Who. Which Doctor cosplay have you yet to achieve that you dearly want to? Um, Tom Baker, City of Death. Oh, well, that's very specific. Yeah. Why? Because I adore that coat, I adore the scarf, and I love the uh, pin that he has of the art palette and everything. And City of Death is just bloody brilliant anyway. Uh, where do you keep all these costumes? Uh, I do have a wardrobe uh, that is quite chock-a-block yes. at the moment, yes. which, uh, yes, I need to sort out. It's, it's mainly the props and everything is just sort of... because. You know, the doctors, they wear big outfits. That's the problem. So, yeah, it's a, it's a little snug at the moment. <laughs> Great. And I think, oh, there's a couple more in there. Oh, The Curse of Cedric. Ask Ellie her favourite UFO episode. Oh, no. You're I haven't watched it. You're putting Ellie on the spot now. Uh, Chris Dale, what do you think uh, would be Ellie's favourite episode? Recommend one for her. Oh, something from near the end, because it's a show that gets better as uh -huh. okay. 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 There you go. Yeah. Head home. Yeah. I'll and, take that uh, on board. <laughs> and give it a watch and tell us what you think. And the last one. Robert Monk, why won't you answer any of my calls and where's my money? <laughs> He's found you. Oh, no. He's found you at last. <laughs> he knew we were in Slough. Hey, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or get on the train quick. <laughs> uh, and what do you have coming up? Are there any uh, conventions that you've booked for or...? Uh... Um... I'm hoping uh, to go to, there's a Comic Con in Wales in Newport, uh, which is coming up, that they've got all the doctors going and stuff. Um, and Mr. Sean Pertwee, uh, who is somebody I've not met and I'd love to meet. Um, but I'm also doing uh, Hooverville in September, um, which is a, a cracking convention. But yeah. at the moment, it's kind of taking a back seat because I might have booked a trip to Disneyland in Florida. So Right. Oh, have you? <laughs> yes. I see. And when is that? Uh, September. I see. OK, yes. great. Yeah, so we yeah. managed to just grab you in time. You've been, just been to Glastonbury and you're off to Disney. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, great. Um, and uh, what, are, what are you watching at the moment? What do you plan to watch? What, do you have a sort of a schedule of, of programmes? Yeah. Um, for, do list? Yeah, because, I mean, uh, funny enough, talking about UFO is uh, a few people have sort of got on to me about uh, what Watching that, so um, I mean, thankfully, because of BritBox, I've been able to watch all these kind of programs. Mm. Um, I recently watched The Avengers with John Steed and Emma Peel and all that, and absolutely adored it. I think Diana Rigg is just the best ever. Um, and at the moment, I'm currently working my way through The Prisoner because right. I've never seen that either. Right. So I'm I'm nearly done. I'm only a few episodes away from the finish line now. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Amazing, yeah. great. Uh, now. Uh, I'm going to move swiftly on to a brand new item for the Jerry Anderson podcast. I'm not sure how long it's going to last, but I'm calling it Cute, Mute or Recruit. Right. Okay, uh, stay with me. 
stay with me. Now look, because I want you to imagine that you are setting up your very own Thunderbird-style international rescue secret society or crack squad. Yeah. Okay. And as you do that, you're suddenly followed on one of your various media accounts by three people. Right. And I want you to pick three random cards, take a look at who it is, and from that decide who you think is cute. I'm so sorry. <laughs> who you would mute and who you would recruit for your crack squad. Yep. All right? Okay. Are you with me? Yep. So let's have a look at your first card. Bloody hell. You don't have to turn it over yet. Just take, yep. oh, you've got two there. Look, two, put one back right. Don't look at it one. yet. Nope. Gotta give it a quick shuffle. Right, let's take another card. It's exciting, isn't it? Yep. And your final card, another quick shuffle here. So we now have our three characters who suddenly followed you on social media. You need to choose which of them is cute, which you would mute, and which you would recruit. So let's see them on the table, and then I'll hold them up for our video audience. So we have, well, Aquamarina from Stingray. Oh, we've got the lovely Gay Ellis. Uh, from UFO, a yes. show you never watched. Yep. Oh, and that's Dr. Venus from Fireball XL5. So there we have uh, an all-female troop of characters. Now, which of those, Ellie, <laughs> would you say is cute? Now, I don't mean in a sort of, you know, a sexually attractive sort of way. I just mean, you know, sweet or lovable. Well, I mean, I'm going to go for this lady because she's yes. human. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's a good start, isn't it? Uh, you um, can't quite see it there, but that would be a pink wig, of course, I think, from UFO. Yes. The fashions yeah, are amazing. Yeah, Have you seen? I've seen photos and stuff, yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a potential cosplay, surely. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, okay, yeah, so totally. uh, yeah, well, yeah. we're all relieved to hear that Gay Ellis is cute. Yeah. Which of these, now this is interesting, <laughs> out of uh, Aquamarina from Stingray and Dr. Venus from Fireball XL5, which would you mute? Well, I'm going to mute her because I haven't watched it. <laughs> yes, fair enough, okay. That's great. So that's Venus from Fireball XL5 yeah. has been muted and will no longer be heard. <laughs> now, the gag is, of course, Marina is already mute. She's a mute character from, uh, from Singray. But that, by default, means that you've decided to recruit. Exactly. Yeah. So good luck with your crew. Thanks. Now, you'd be relieved to hear that now that's over, you get to choose three more random cards for next week's guest, Ooh. who is Lee Sullivan. Oh. Okay, so we won't know what they are yet, but take three of those and we'll ask Lee Sullivan when he joins us in a couple of weeks' time, actually, at the end of his second interview, to pick which of these three characters he thinks is cute, which he would mute and which he'd recruit. I mean, it's got a certain thing to it, isn't it? You think it's going to last? Grown. No, really? <laughs> They'll all be playing it at home. And we'll be playing it. Now, so can you tell us any projects you're working on at the moment or is it all very top secret? It's, uh, actually, it's all gone a bit quiet at the moment. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to just take a break after Glastonbury, yeah. I think. Yeah, I yeah. didn't get much sleep. No, no, not at all, no. <laughs> uh, and uh, anything else coming up? Uh, are you working on a particular cosplay at the moment or has your uh, visit to... Slough here and the Moxie Hotel and the wonderful Thunderbirds themed hotel inspired you to perhaps create your very own Jerry well, Anderson. Well, you know, it's getting heavily influenced through Captain yes. Scarlet. So, you know, are we going to see yeah, Ellie Collins yeah. in Captain maybe, Scarlet? Gear? Maybe, yeah, yeah. Could that happen? It could update it from when I wore it as a kid. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Yeah. We look forward to that. Uh, and finally, just before we go, then uh, let's have another quick reminder of where we can find you, where we can follow you on all your social medias. Yep. So Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, all Tardis Monkey. Great. Ellie, it's been an absolute delight to have you as the first guest on Jeff Trace's sofa. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for making the trip to join us and uh, we'll see you again, I'm sure. Definitely. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. It's Ellie Collins. <laughs>
Ah, oh, thanks, Ellie, Lovely, Ellie, for coming all that way and joining us in the studio. I know. I I'm can't believe she's, studio. she's had to go into the studio, yeah, but she's yeah. had to go home now. Yes. I'll, I'll miss her next week. I know. It's fun having people around, isn't, isn't it? it? Didn't she do well with all the little competitions? Incredibly and, you know, well. Next week, I'd say, we have the marvellous Lee Sullivan joining oh, us. Oh, not him. What's the matter with Lee Sullivan? Well, What's he done? Do you, no, does he no. owe you money or something? No, not at all. No, Lee is lovely and I'm very happy he's revisiting the podcast. I mean, yes. he, he was with us way oh. back in... Oh, he's been there throughout, hasn't pod he? three or yeah. something like that. I mean, yeah. He was one of the first. He's joined us for a few fab lives along the way. He has, and he's he's become integral. Now, I interviewed him at the Cartoon Museum a few weeks ago, mm. a few months ago, actually, now. Mm. Um, and I came to this amazing realisation that he is one of very few people who was inspired by... TV21 comics back in the early 60s, went on to work with his heroes uh, like Mike Noble mm -hmm. and now is creating new TV21 type comics. Wow. Yes. Uh, and that connects with his Doctor Who stuff. So he's, he's a real kind of yeah. triumph of yeah. loving something, falling in love with it and then working in it. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to having a chat with Lee. Gosh. Yeah, lucky old Lee. Imagine getting to work with your heroes rather than... Yeah, and yeah. the dregs. <clears throat> uh, now, over on our YouTube channel, you can find all sorts from free episodes of Stuff to Watch. We've got Chris Dale's Amazing Primers. We've got a few Beyond Anderson uh, mm. uh, episodes as well, as well, which is about um, you know actors' lives beyond the series that they may or may not be famous for in the Jerry Anderson Absolutely. universe. Uh, but also, people have been commenting beneath our various um, uh, uh, videos. For example, I think there's a, uh, an episode of Terrorhawks, Expect the Unexpected Part 2. It's the extended two-parter, ah. yes, which we put for free see. for you to enjoy. I see. Well, Black Arrow Toons says, uh, Terrorhawks is one of my favourite all-time series since I was a small kid. Thank you. It's entertaining, action-packed, sci-fi, horror, comedy, adventure, all mixed into one with great music, voice, acting and sound effects. Then, add in the fun and extremely unique visual set pieces and puppets and it's an absolute one-of-a-kind series along with other Anderson puppet marionette series. The uh, first episode I ever saw was about Youngstar in Runaway. Ah, mm. there you go. Always right. nice to meet a Terrorhawks fan. I, it is. I mean, that's Sometimes the three of you get together, don't you? <laughs> That's very rude. They call it a convention. Terrorhawks get such a bad rap, and it's really unfair. And actually, putting these up there, it's lovely to see how many people find Terrorhawks again for the first time, possibly yeah. since the, the mid 1980s. Yeah. And they really enjoy it again. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Uh, do you want to read the next one there? Yes, Graham Shaw says, brilliant. Mm. He said it in that exact way as well. Did he? Is it any wonder, as an eight year old kid in the early 1980s, uh, I'd, that I'd much rather stay home and watch Terrorhawks than be dragged to church on a Sunday morning by my parents? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember those days. Uh, uh, Ten No Zero Rhymer 72, I think that is. Very catchy Snappy name. name. There. Uh, one thing I loved with this series was the exploration of human slash AI interaction. Action. Yeah. As their creator, Tiger, had the typical you're just a soulless tool, but the rest of the crew treated them like just the guys. Then there was the interaction between the Xeroids themselves. The only other time I remember a show doing that at the time was with Data in Star Trek The Next Generation. Who mm. says kids' shows aren't educational? Absolutely. There's, there's, there's a deep philosophical thing about how you treat robots and artificial intelligences in that show. Is there? Yes. Well, that went straight over my head. Well, you need to watch more Terrorhawks, don't you? I will. And I can find it on the Jerry Anderson YouTube channel where you can find all sorts of other lovely goodies as well. Do comment underneath and, you know, we might read them out at some point. Yeah. yeah. YouTube.com slash TV. Perfect. Great. Uh, there we go. All for now. But um, I think it's time. Look, he's um, looking a bit uh, itchy on the sofa. Is itchy the word I'm looking for? Yeah, Probably I not. think itchy yeah? is a word. Okay. Let's see if he can uh, entice Ellie for one last time to press his big red button on the randomizer. Absolutely. Let's hand over to the very itchy randomizer. <laughs> it's Chris Dale. I wonder where this bit is supposed to go. You having a bit of trouble there? Yeah, just a little. I, I can't get this screw thingy back in. Bear in mind, I'm not sure where it's come from to begin with. Any thoughts? 
I, I don't know. <laughs> I suspect we probably need a screwdriver to get this back yes. in, but enough about screws and unrelated problems. You're back again to I'm push back. the button on the amazing Jerry Anderson randomizer. I think you know by now which button it was. Oh, that one, one there. Yeah. We'll just pop that down there. And after last week's episode was a really good one, I'm uh, hopeful you've got the magic touch again this week. Mm. Let's find out. Well, it's not one I remember all that well, but it's Fireball XL5. The doomed planet. The doomed planet. So let's find out what their problem is. Off you go. Okay. <laughs> so it's now time to welcome back to the randomizer Fireball XL5 with the doomed planet. And I do like the intro for this one, this rogue planet. Uh, we find ourselves already aboard XL5 uh, as they just fly straight into trouble. It's, it's a nice uh, setup for the episode to find them already in trouble, already having some crisis to deal with. I also love that shot of XL5 swooping low over the camera, or past the camera. Uh, and although XL5 is kind of a simple model, some of the, the close-ups are, are really nice. And this is just, you know, such a near miss. There they go. Oh, it sends their, their photo doppelgangers spinning out of control. Ah, dear. Exciting stuff. What a nice opening for this episode. And I should admit up front, this is not an episode I remember all that well. Uh, if you're familiar with my ramblings on the, the randomizer, for that is what they are. <laughs> I enjoyed my brush with certain death, Steve. Uh, I have a feeling I may have only watched this episode once. Um, because you know, I a, a lot of my experience with XL5 was through the VHSs. I had a couple of uh, ITC home videotapes and a substantial run of episodes recorded off, I think, central television. But I didn't have anything from this run of eight episodes that were on volume two and volume three of, of XL5 uh, released by ITC home video. The planet is uninhabited. And I, I know I saw this once on DVD. Uh, would you believe that I haven't actually yet got round to watching the XL5 Blu-rays? I must address that uh, sooner rather than later. Just going into orbit. Fire main retros. Just going into orbit. Everyone's happy. Oh, there's that shot of XL5 going into orbit that I didn't like before in uh, Planet 4-6. I did like that shot of, of Robert walking away there, though. So, Steve is going for a look around the rogue planet all by himself, um, as you do. Is it the... oh no, it's, it isn't the rogue planet that he's um, looking at. It is the um, <clears throat> planet that the rogue planet is about to crash into. And it looks very, very nice and mysterious. I love with this show, and That's some other early okay. Anderson episodes, where you get pools of bubbling liquid and you get these little rings of um, coming off the, the surface of the water. So yes, I, I am looking forward to seeing how this story unfolds. I remember looking at the video, the VHS that had this episode on in a shop, and I was really intrigued by the mention of flying saucers, uh, for I believe this is that episode. Um, you know, in one sense it's quite unforgivable that I'm talking about the show saying, oh, I've only seen this episode once, when it was just broadcast on national television uh, here in the UK for the first time in about 35 years, just a few weeks ago on, on Talking Pictures TV, um, saints that they are. 
Um, no sign of life, Professor. <laughs> I've checked out this whole half a mile. I guess you're right, Professor. Yeah. If it's like this here, it's bound to be like this across the whole planet. So, spooky music, spooky atmosphere, spooky setting. Clearly there's nothing here to worry about. So, Steve's going to call it a day. As we've uh, learned recently in, in Fireball XL5, I think Wing Wings of Danger was another one. Uh, you, you know, if you're investigating a planet, you only really need to allocate about five or ten minutes to that tops. But as we zoom in on a rock or a tree, what are we going to see? A shadow! Oh! With uh, pointy webbed feet. I guess my imagination's playing tricks on me. <laughs> Place is deserted. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Professor, on my way back. I've been to planets before. They're all the same, basically, you know. Oh, what's this? Steve's about to lift off, Venus. Oh, okay, sorry. That's, <laughs> that's Fireball Junior. Okay, I thought for some reason that was like a building or a base or something. Hmm. It's very rare for Steve to go down and investigate a planet on his own, but I suppose, again, if he was only allocating ten minutes, then... You know, it's not really worth bringing anyone else down. Ah, this um, again doesn't look like the the shot of Exo or Fireball Junior redocking with the main body that I've raved over before, but it does look very close. Roger, Professor. Prepare to receive Fireball Junior, Robert. Oh, I love that! I love that clunk sound. So. Another planet successfully investigated. We have confirmed there is no life in this, you know, very small part of it. Therefore, there is no life anywhere else. And there it is. There's our first uh, UFO uh, for, for Fireball XL5. I want to say that this might be a reuse of the flying saucer prop from uh, The Daytime Stood Still. Because really, there's only probably about half a dozen episodes uh, separating those. That was the episode of Supercar where aliens invaded so Mike Mercury's mind and gave him a dream about how wonderful he was. That's right. There's no evidence of life. There was at least plant life. In the fact, sir, Steve investigated for a whole four minutes and found absolutely nothing. And as men, that's all we need to do to declare the planet uninhabited. That's a dialogue Our lifted from the first episode. Code eight terminated. Hmm. Entering Earth's atmosphere now. Roger, Fireball XL5, standing by. Oh, Commander Zero sounds a bit fed up. I guess, you know, early days they didn't quite get the voices and characters nailed just yet. Um, I would guess this is also a reused cloud footage for Supercar. Oh! I got a glimpse of it then, Matt. I'd swear it was saucer-shaped. Hey, <laughs> you don't figure it's a flying saucer, do you, Professor? Oh. You don't figure there are such things as aliens, do you, Professor? You feel a bit of a toot if it was just another sunspot. <laughs> well, you're almost as bad as a woman, Steve. Everything's fine. 
ah, this is nice. And I think they only played that a couple of times through the show. Um, footage of XL5 flying back through the clouds uh, on its way back to Space City. It does look nice. Yeah, I'm just realizing this is the first time, obviously I've seen this episode in a very long time, but the first time I'm seeing it in HD. And you know, even those shots like that with the little flying saucer don't look all that convincing. Everything else just looks lovely. What do you think this is, Space City or something? Now listen, Steve, you're just tired out after the trip. Do me a favor, will you, and just forget it. Okay, okay. <laughs> do you guys know what your job is supposed to be? This is great. See you later, kids. Okay, Steve. Pick me up and we'll go back to my place. Oh. I've got a real cool disc I want you to hear. Uh-huh. Why is there a safety rail on the side of the uh, wall there? I know. Thanks for taking care of him, Commander. Oh. So we're still in early days, yeah. Uh, Commander Zero hasn't reached the, the point of complete and utter exasperation with Zuni's antics. And this was episode two in broadcast order, episode I think five in production order. Uh, Zuni had previously appeared in episode four, Space Magnet, but I sense this is his introduction um, in terms of the series. As he often is, sipping martinis and reading a book. Uh, yeah, in Space Magnet, he just suddenly kind of appears, um, as does Venus's Beach House. This feels more like a, an introduction. Now wait for us, Steve. Oh. Come on, wake up, you lazy pooch. <laughs> Welcome home. Aw, there he That's is. That's what he's learned in three months since we brought him back from Planet Palevio. Oh. That's great, Venus. <laughs> And by great, I mean, what the hell are you doing taking so long to teach him three words? Come on, let's have some coffee and listen to the disc. Hmm. Yes, we're bored with our pet now. And the flying saucer has followed them to Venus's beach house. I, again, I've got to say, the picture quality on this is just superb. Um, for a 60-year-old series, the visuals, I mean, they hold up anyway in, in SD, but this HD picture is just gorgeous. Thank you, network. Um, may you rest in peace. Unidentifiable object landed at Attilo Beach, Commander. Attilo Beach? Let's see. That's where Venus has her beach house. Oh. Well, it took us a, 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 quite a while to put the pieces together there. But it is a very cool beach house. I would like a house like this. Especially if it plays Barry Gray lounge jazz. And real boss discs. <laughs> Say, Venus, there's nothing in this cup. What's going on? Well, this is pleasant. <laughs> and even Zuni likes it. Yeah, this is a lovely little model set. Just the house, the shore, the water. Oh, there's those footprints again. Coming out of the water, where we saw the saucer land, heading up to the beach house. 
Help yourself to coffee and sandwiches, please. I'll play the flip side. Ah. Uh, but Venus, you don't seem to have made any sandwiches. It's just coffee. La, 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 la. Yeah, this is music, I think, from, <laughs> from Supercar. Is this, um, Batonga? Oh, the Steve Puppet's pouring coffee! Oh, that's a lot to ask a puppet of this era to do. Yeah, Commander Zero and Lieutenant 90 now sound very mellow, very laid back. But who is this mysterious stranger come to uh, pay them a greeting? Well, friend or foe, Steve's going to shoot them anyway. So yeah, Venus's beach house is not so far away from the rest of Space City that searchlights can't reach it. I do like the hover car models as well. Hello? Commander Zero, hmm. what is happening? We've located a strange object near your house, Venus. But it's definitely not a UFO, Venus, so don't even mention that. Ah, Steve's on the hunt for a visitor. They are really building up the menace factor with this. Find anything, Steve? Just you. There's someone or something here, all right. Your lazoon is not so dumb as he looks. Hmm. <laughs> oh, but I am, Steve. Oh, yes. And actually, considering all the horror stories that I've heard over the years about um, Derek Medding's frustration with making the, the, the UFOs in UFO spin, um, this is quite a convincing spinning effect for this prop. It's an interesting and previously undiscovered scientific phenomenon. I know. Oh. Yeah, okay. Ah, now that's interesting because uh, at the very end of that launch, oh gosh, this is a very poorly planned shot. Um, just at the end of that shot, as XL5 comes off the launch ramp, you just see it start to fall, because that's footage from uh, Plant Man from Space, uh, which is either the next episode or the previous episode to this one. It's stopping to make sure they don't get lost along the way. Come on, keep up. Range now. Yeah, Steve, Steve still wants to have the option of blowing something up. Yes, I love this shot where the, it just keeps stopping to make sure XL5 doesn't doesn't get lost um, because it knows what uh, what intelligence level the the crew is is operating at. That it took Zuni of all people to to recognise that there was someone outside the beach house. We're approaching a planet, Professor. Mm. It's been Bruno, the doomed planet. Ah, it's the planet that we know has no life on it at all, Steve. Thanks to your exhaustive search of four minutes, maybe five. Ah, 
yes, nice, nice spooky music, and overall I'm getting nice uh, 50s sci-fi movie vibes. Uh, particularly the sort of um, British sci-fi films, uh, things like uh, Devil Girl from Mars, is that the one that Jerry did? And um, I saw one recently on Talking Pictures where a, a group of British and Americans were having problems with aliens in Scotland. Uh, yeah, I just get very sort of classic 50s sci-fi vibes from all this. So, Fireball Jr. is off back down to the uninhabited but doomed planet. Uh, this time Matt and Robert get to come along. They leave, uh, they leave Venus up there all by herself. They may come to regret that later. Watch your step, Matt. We don't know what's waiting for us out there. Hmm. But, well, if only someone had been here and carried out a survey, yeah, Matt. The saucer is open, Matt. Yes, if it did. I really want to shoot something, Steve. Ah, here's an old man. Yes, I think this is probably why I... When I was reading the back of the, the tape for Fireball XL5 Volume 2 in that shop many decades ago, the, um, the brief summary of the plot on the back of the box was, I think, more interesting Go to on. me than than this actual episode yeah. of just seem to hear you, an old man in trouble. Wait. He's pointing at something. <laughs> what is it, Matt? What is it, boy? Bring the robot out of your spaceship. Ooh. Did you hear that, Matt? The voice is coming from the direction of Fireball Junior. Mm. I'll play along with him. Get Robert. Now, 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 you, you stand quite still until Steve Zodiac gets back. <laughs> There's nobody in this universe we can't threaten. Put away your weapon. No, this is a He's nice idea. Through Robert. Yeah, I am it's quite effective. I am my thoughts to the robot, Steve Zodiac. <laughs> we are of superior intelligence mm, and have yes. been observing your planet Earth for years. We are not impressed by what we see. That. No, Colonel. We have been in existence longer than any civilization. Hmm. We and how many is we in this instance? Hmm. Yes, there's that shot from the beginning right, of the episode again. It's still quite an impressive shot. I know, Steve Zodiac. I watched you. But you did but such a terrible are. job that it was almost Steve, not worth you bothering. Good if limited. And I love You'll be this. Happy to help you, old fella. Guess it's in a good cause. Let's go, <laughs> Professor. I instantly trust you, old man. There is no way that the uh, other planet could have any intelligent life on it. I'm not even going to bother running a survey on that one. Clunk. Oh, I love that sound. Here we go. Uh, there it is. Not even going to attempt to ascertain if there's any life on that planet. Uh, and it could so easily be a twist in the story of, oh, they told you that our planet is going to crash into to them? Well, that's because they knocked our planet off in a war decades ago, and we're in an even worse situation than they are. Ten seconds, Steve. That's more re reused dialogue from the first episode. Six seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. 
zero and go. More reused dialogue from the first episode. I, you know, I get that it's economical to not have to have the actors record more dialogue if you can just reuse old stuff. But it's strange that they're reusing dialogue so early in the show's run. Especially as this is the second episode in broadcast order. So, we're trying to blow up the uh, rogue planet. Are you going to reuse that line again? It's the same, it's the same dialogue. Right, let's just keep nuking the thing. Hooray! Oh, I, I'm picking up a distress call, Steve. Uh, it's from that planet over there. <laughs> Maybe we should have thought about this more carefully, Steve. Wow. Very tense. Some interesting close-ups. Maybe move out of the way? I don't know. Whoa, there it goes. More reused footage from the first episode there. Gee. But I just love the, the callousness of that destruction of an entire planet. We are pleased that your planet has progressed so well. And that you have helped you us crush our done. enemies on the rogue planet. I know one thing, Steve. Commander Zero will read our report with a little more belief this time. Now we all know that there are flying saucers after all. Hmm. I'm going now. Bye-bye. Uh, yes, up and down. Okay, I wonder if that old guy had any other people living on that planet with him. Uh, well, there we go. That was The Doomed Planet. As I said, that's not an episode I've seen uh, more than once. Now I have seen it twice. Uh, I didn't have hugely fond memories of it. So coming to this relatively fresh, uh, there was a lot to enjoy about that one, I think. Uh, aside from, you know, the fact that a thorough survey of a planet in this show takes about four minutes, you know, on a good day, and the fact that our heroes are quite willing to, to just nuke an entire planet if, um, you know, one old guy tells them to, uh, they, do, they do seem quite gullible and easily led here. Some odd character moments, actually, especially with uh, our heroes being oddly reluctant to accept the idea of extraterrestrial life. But beyond that, it's, it's always nice to see these characters back in action. Uh, nice introductions to Zuni and Venus's beach house. So overall, that was another solid, enjoyable episode of Fireball XL5. Even if their, you know, geological surveys can leave a bit to be desired. I wish I was a spaceman, smartest guy, mm -hmm. fastest, fastest guy, guy alive. Alive. not no, smartest. No, I don't know why no. it's smartest. This, this happens though. People make up their own lyrics. Yeah. To to it, and, oh, yeah. and they're always wrong, really badly wrong, yeah, okay. like that. Right. Uh, thank you, Chris. That was great. As always, we love a bit of fireball. I love Again, fireball. I mentioned the campness of Stingray. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's definitely got some shared camp DNA with Fireball XL5, but in a lovely, charming way. And if you're in the UK, you can watch Fireball XL5 every Saturday on yeah. Talking Pictures TV. Yeah, that's for right. free. It would you say there's a string of campness throughout most of Jerry's shows? I mean, you look at UFO and even Space 1999. It just comes with the territory, doesn't it? That mm. sort of the heightened mm. sci-fi territory with mm. all the kind of the colour and the big characters and the setups and the drama. Mm. I think it, it naturally delivers on mm. camp and that is no bad thing. Well, I like to think we're doing our own little bit. <laughs>
to forward that <laughs> legacy. Absolutely. So join us next week for more threads of campness in the Joey Anderson podcast. <laughs> we'll be back for Pod 266. Our special guest in the studio will be the mighty Lee Sullivan. He'll be answering some of your questions and sharing his first Anderson memories too. He may even bring a little budgie supercar to give a sniff. He loves a bit of sniffing, doesn't he? He does, yeah. yeah. He got in trouble with that once, I think. <laughs> Hopefully not on our podcast, though. <laughs> yeah, so all for now. In the meantime, do keep your emails coming in, podcast.jerryanderson.com. Don't forget to subscribe and, you know, leave a nice review that we can read out as well so we know how we're doing. That's all. We love your feedback. Yeah, we do. Email us, tweet us, all mm-hmm. that sort of jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's uh, it. we'll see you in pod 266. Yeah, see you then. Next week. Sure. Bye. 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 Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. Are we camp? <laughs> he says with the with the well, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting, isn't it? Uh, because a lot of you know, Doctor Who is considered quite camp yeah, as well. What is. is it about sci-fi and campness? I don't know. Mm. What is camp? What is camp? You're listening to the Jerry Anderson podcast. <laughs> We're asking, what is camp? It's a thread of uh, sort of entertainment philosophy that I wasn't expecting to touch on today. No, no, and perhaps we shouldn't have saved it for the post-episode bands. Yeah, it's fine. I think it's just elevated Mm. fun, Mm. isn't it? Yeah, I'll go for that. Is that it? I think there's a certain design aesthetic about it as well, isn't it? I mean, you know, pink wigs and string vests. Mm. Yes. That's, you know, camp as a rose That's how we'll be looking next week in uh, Pod 266. (laughs) Yeah, look forward to it. All right, Uh, nice to see you again. Have a good week. Always nice to see you. Bye then. That was an Anderson Entertainment production.